Well, hi there. How you doing? Welcome along to another edition of the 116, a podcast about going higher, wider, closer, and deeper. It's a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. And uh, hey, don't forget to like us, share us on social media. We appreciate that. Follow us on your platform that you're watching on YouTube or whatever. And go to Peoria1.com for more information about us and to leave a message. We would love to hear from you. That's Peoria1.com. Well, this is kind of sort of a follow-up to a podcast we did late last year. Late last year, we did a podcast that many of you responded to so positively about how to survive a blue Christmas, how to make it through the holiday season if you're suffering from grief. And as I began to contemplate and notice, because so many people are grieving these days, especially with the prevalence of COVID deaths and younger people dying uh, due to that, I, I began to notice that a lot of you are dealing with children who are grieving, and it just breaks your heart to know how to help them. And we don't always know what to do about that. So I've invited our Director of Congregational Care, uh, Kirsten Tharp, back into the studio. Kirsten, welcome along today to way into this heavy, heavy topic. Are you ready for this? I am. Let's do this. Okay. So the question at our hand is, is you know somebody or maybe your own children are grieving. Perhaps they've lost a parent or somebody really close to them. And uh, they, you find them asking questions like, well, when are they coming back? Or I just don't understand. Why did I lose my daddy? Why did this happen to my mom? And it just absolutely breaks your heart. Uh, Kirsten, what is your first response to somebody who is dealing with a child who is grieving? What's the, the first big thing you think that we should know about this child? So I think we need to take a pause and recognize that kids grieve, but they may not grieve like adults. Adults here in our society don't necessarily respect death. We don't like to talk about it. And so we get kind right. of weird when a child is grieving on top of it. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, if you're dealing with a child who's going through a loss of, of a loved one, it's important to just start out with the basics. Listen to them. Mm. Have that conversation. Let them talk. Right. They will understand on their own terms and on their own timeline. It might not be like what we expect them to be doing with their grief, but they're going to they're going to deal with this in their own way and they're going to grieve. Mm-hmm. It's even, you know, research has been done and even little people up to like 18 months, they can't tell us that they're grieving, but they can show us that they're grieving. If they're, if they're around adults who are experiencing loss, they actually will themselves be more cranky. They will be more difficult to console. So even at little tiny ages, kids grieve. And you know, that makes sense because I've, I've been, especially if you watch videos on YouTube, you'll see all these videos where animals are grieving somebody or who have missed somebody. And it makes sense that if even an animal gets it like that, even, you know, besides dogs, other animals that are less relational, uh, they still seem to have that capacity for grief. But yet we don't understand that in our own kids. In fact, I wonder if, do you think it's possible that we as adults don't want our kids to grieve? Because like you said, it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us face our own grief. One hundred percent. We we don't want our kids to hurt as as a parent, as you know, as a loved one, anybody who spends time with young people. We don't want them to hurt. We want them to be happy. And 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 we know as adults how much grieving can hurt. And so we don't want that same experience for our kids. But grief is real. 
Yeah. I wonder if maybe this is also a valuable thing to stay, say here at the start, and it's this. There are a lot of people out there who want to tell you how you are messing things up these days as an adult, and you shouldn't say this, and you should say this, and it's really heavy to, to bear all that. So let's just start from the, the framework of understanding we really mean well, we want to do well, it's just that we, do you agree with that, that we just don't always know that we don't have the tools? Yep. We... Once again, we don't grieve well as a society. We we make death a topic that people don't talk about. They sh- you know push it under the rug. They they don't want to to discuss that. It's not it's not a fun topic. It's not a happy topic. And then we in turn turn that into our kids, and we don't always enter this time of grief real solidly. And it's and it's not a a mistake. It's not, we're doing them a disservice. We just don't always know what to do. My personality type is that I, I deal, I, I'm a kind of a, I'm an Enneagram four. I'm a deep thinker. I feel things deeply. So I guess I spend a lot of time with these emotions. I recognize that we're probably talking with some people who even listening to this topic is going to be difficult because they said, why do we have to think about this negative stuff? Let's, and I try to do that. I try to pour positive into other people's lives, but why is it important for us to even as adults have this conversation uh, about grief? It's it's real. It's it's happening. It's it's happening more like you mentioned at the very get go with the pandemic and younger people are experiencing losses and we need to be able to have these conversations to do the best thing that we can for our kids. And that's to help them through these these difficult times. Let's deal with some of the myths. Uh, about especially about dealing with children with grief, but uh, grief. I've gone through a lot of grief in my life. I've had some had some major losses in my life, and so I've kind of made a study of this so I can understand myself better. And one of the the prevalent myths that I see out there, and I'm kind of curious your take on this, is I've heard from people that there's a spiritual problem if you're grieving for very long. I, yeah, okay, you might cry a little bit, might, but there's a spiritual issue about this. Is that a valid argument to make? Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> um, every person is going to grieve differently. No two people grieve alike, and that goes for our kids as well. But to grieve means that you've loved and then you've lost. It has nothing to do with how deep your faith is, how strong of a person you are. That's 100% a myth because it, it we grieve because we loved someone that we lost, not mm-hmm. and, and and it's not because we don't have a strong faith, we don't believe in God, anything like that. It's just simply our response to losing a loved one. Right, right. And and you know one of the things that um you know, as far as dealing things from a spiritual perspective, I kind of get that idea because uh, the Bible speaks a lot about being strong and courageous and builds us up. But there's this false notion that uh, uh, this isn't somehow a sacred emotion when, in fact, it's one of the things God put in us. We're told we are made in the image of God, so certainly. And you can see that throughout Scripture, a God who does at times grieve. Uh, so I think that's a, a good, valid perspective. I, maybe another thing we run into is the the time limit for grief idea. And that's one of the things that I've encountered probably as much as anything else when people have talked about it. Well, how long should someone grieve? Uh, is there a time limit? What What is healthy? What isn't? And your response is? My response to that is you grieve as long as you need to. There is not a limit on grief. Mm-hmm. 
There is no specific timeline. We we think through that first year, often using that as a as a guidepost. Uh, we think we're going to go through these different emotions and get through all the firsts and those difficult things, and then we should be done grieving. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's not how grief works for everyone. Some people may experience those firsts and and be on their way and able to to keep you know moving forward. A lot of people experience those firsts and find that the second year is even harder. Mm-hmm. There's just not a timeline for this, and there's there's no right or wrong. You're only wrong if you're continually moving backwards, and then you need to seek some professional help. I, I wonder, too, if the, if this timeline for grief is going to be even more prevalent with a child because we begin to realize that this grief is going to affect the important milestones of their life, That if, especially in the loss of a parent, that if that parent was there for them, um, I'm sure it's, there's also ramifications for f- losing friends, but especially where, where you have a child who's lost a parent because you have all those, you know, graduation, birthdays, uh, first life, big life first, driving cars, uh, getting married, all those children. Those are going to be new occasions. So a, a child's grief, in a way, is a child's grief probably even more prevalent, more noticeable throughout the years than somebody who's a little farther along in their lifespan? So I, I think you make a great point that for a child, it's going to be noticeable that they're, they're missing that parent. It's not normal. It's not what we expect as a society. Kids also grieve a little bit differently and truly do it on their own timeline. We may think that they should be sad, that they should be experiencing, you know, these thoughts and emotions, and it may honestly take a little bit more time for a child. Um, and then that continuation of having lost a parent um, and and not being a part of those special traditions and holidays. Mm -hmm. Of course, as that's happening, the child is grieving. And so they're, they're moving more into their new normal. So I, I answer that with yes and no, because as they continue to go through the grief process, it's, it's going to be a lifelong thing for them, but it's also going to cement into a new normal. And so it's not necessarily, they're going to have a lifetime of grief because they've lost a parent at a young age. Right. That word new normal, by the way, was kind of a curious one. We, we've heard it used a lot more with the pandemic but um, I think the important word, part of that is simply the word normal and to recognize that what we are going through in, this, in the history of humanity is normal. I, the, I, in fact, we've been blessed with longer lifespans than anybody else in, in history, and we are, as I like to say, in fragile containers. And some of our containers last longer than others. Some of, are more fragile than others. But the fact is that even outside of the pandemic, uh, we we are dealing with a very fragile thing when it comes to life. And so grief is just a very natural part of our history. It absolutely is. And, and you know, as, as we've kind of already talked about, when it's the a loss that a child is experiencing, it's, it's just harder to watch. But, you know, we, we do have some great coping tools and some things mm. for kids to work with. Um, there's a lot out there that will help kids um, through this time and certainly professionals and, and things like that. But I think one thing that we try to do is we try to, especially with our younger kids, we try to not make grief sound so bad or so hard or so difficult, so difficult. So, we talked a little bit about myths, and, and another one that comes up quite a bit is, you know, 
we tell the, a young person that their loved one is just sleeping or mm. they've just gone to sleep yeah, um, yeah. or God came and took them. And to us, <laughs> that means something. Mm-hmm. Um, but to a child, that's very scary. You're going to suddenly have a child who probably is not going to want to go to sleep, nor are they going to want to they're going to have a strange relationship with God because all of a sudden, you know, God took my loved one. I don't want God to take me too. So do you need to be careful about the language you use as far as, you know, your, your loved one is looking, always watching over you now, or um, they're just in, in, in heaven now. Do you have to be careful about the language, especially the younger you get? You got it. The kids take things very, very literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you say things like that as an adult, we kind of understand that that connotation. We're trying to soften that language a little bit. But for a child, it's very real. And we think that's a, a they begin to think that that's a real statement. I know in my own experience, I took my children when they were young to a funeral and there was a visitation ahead of time. And I think my kids were somewhere around four or five in that age range. And I, I asked them after we'd had been through the visitation when we were sitting in the pews waiting for the funeral. I asked my my kids if they had any questions. And my son looked at me and he said, I just have one. Who's the guy in the treasure box? Oh, and wow. so for him, his observation was there was a man inside a treasure box. It wasn't a casket. It wasn't anything like that that is normal to an adult for, you know, a, a, a funeral and things. He saw a treasure box. And, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking, too, you, you, you obviously don't want to scare the bejeebers out of a, a child, but at the same time, how then do you uh, prepare them to understand death before they get hit with one that is close to them? Is, are there healthy ways to prepare a child for death or for understanding it? So, once again, death is is a strange concept for adults, and, and you know, it's strange for kids, too. Mm-hmm. Um we talk about it. It needs to be a normal part of life that's discussed. They may not understand if you say the words, you know, so-and-so has died. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not truly understand what that means, but it's not abnormal to say. They're going to have grown up hearing things like that. Another thing that we as adults do, we want to protect our kids. Right. And so uh, we don't want them to go to that funeral. Well, mm-hmm. A lot of times it's healthy for a child to go to a funeral. It's strange, and they may have a lot of questions. But my experience has been it's not about the death and the dying that they're questioning. It's about what they're seeing before them. Another example, my niece, when my grandmother passed away, so her great-grandmother, she just wanted to know if grandma had shoes on because the (sighs) casket was open and... She couldn't see her feet. She just wanted wow. to know if she had shoes on. It's it's a very different perspective for a child, and we need to allow them to see these things, that they're a part of life, they're real. I, I have to tell you, you've given me so many questions here I want to come back to, but uh, let, let me hit you with something, a, a real-life situation that was shared with me, and I'm just kind of curious because what your take is on this, because I have a feeling this probably happens a lot. And let's just start by saying in this situation, I again suspect it was a well-meaning adult, somebody who met well, who thought they were being helpful, but it's clear that what they said was not helpful. Okay. So we have a child who had lost her father and she was expressing a level of grief and sadness over it in a Sunday school class. And the Sunday school teacher said, Oh honey, you should be happy. Your dad is in heaven now. 
Now, I get why we adults would want to tell it, you should be happy your child is in heaven. Your, your thoughts on, on that response? Such an adult thing to say to a child who doesn't understand. Absolutely beautiful words. Mm-hmm. We, we should, as Christians, be happy that our loved ones have received that gift of eternal life. Absolutely. But when you're a child and your daddy's not there anymore, that doesn't feel like happiness. Mm-hmm. So those words, very real to the child, don't make any sense. Why would this person who I trust, who's teaching me about God, suddenly says something like that? And I don't get that. You know, that's yeah. really tough. Yeah. Um, I, I think another problem that I'm observing anyway, one that actually was part of the impetus for inviting you here, is noticing, first of all, we, we recognize that right now our society is a mess. We are, we've become at war with each other, and we, we, we don't want to talk politely to each other anymore about our feelings. So as a result, it's created two very strong camps that are constantly fighting uh, against each other. And so here's a, a real situation I ran into. A parent uh, who's was divorced, but their child, uh, their young child's father had died, and the child was uh, asking, when is daddy going to come home? That's one aspect of this. But the other is I just, I could identify the anger in the parent because they were angry at a society that allowed things to get this destructive with each other, but also anger over having to deal with this issue with a child. I'm wondering, what would you say to the parent or or caregiver who is struggling with with anger about these things? You know, that's hard because anger is very real and a real part of grief. And if you're if you're in a situation where you're the caregiver or you're trying to pick up some of these pieces, it's hard for you to then bring comfort and help your child appropriately grieve. Mm-hmm. That's a really that's a really difficult situation. Right. But it's important once again that it that a, a child sees you when you're upset within reason, but it's okay to show a child your tears and to say that I'm sad right now. They need to know that those emotions are absolutely okay. It's not okay to break things and have tantrums and things like that as an adult. We need to learn safe and healthy forms of, of grieving like that. But we, we do absolutely need to allow our kids to see us not always happy because we don't live in an always happy world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we, we talked about uh, helping a child to understand a little bit more about death. Do, do you have some certain words or ways of describing death to a child or resources you would recommend uh, to help somebody uh, have good, healthy language for talking with a child about death? So there are a lot of different ways that you can work on talking about death and, and grief with kids. Um, one thing is to allow them to play Children's work is play and Mm, mm. let them create, let them draw pictures, let them color pictures, let them, if there's a child who's lost a parent, let them playhouse and talk about dad, it may, or mom, if they've lost them, it may open up some of that conversation and through their play, they're telling you how they're feeling. We need to let kids be on their own set of, of terms. We need them to They're not going to sit down with us and just go, this is how I feel, because they're not little adults. But if we get them involved in different activities, a lot of times that will help bridge some of that communication with them. So if your child looks at you with those big doughy eyes with the 
tears come out and they say, why did this happen? Why did this happen to my mommy, to, to my daddy? And you're thinking, yeah, that's what I, I want to know too. I, I don't have an answer. Right. Is that is that a valid answer? Can you tell a child, I don't know? Because we as adults like to let a child know how competent we are. Is it okay to say, I don't know? The reality is we don't know. We can't always answer that. So that's a perfectly normal response. We don't know. And and that's okay to a child because they need to understand too that death is one of those things that we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. So instead of telling a child that uh, their loved one has gone to sleep, what? and I, I realize this is probably going to be dependent upon the age of the child, but what are some healthy words to use that, that you would think would help a child to better understand uh, what they are dealing with when somebody has died? We use the terminology. We say they have died. It means their body here on earth is no longer working. Okay. But we don't we don't sugarcoat it. We don't we don't say all these playful things around it that, you know, they're just sleeping is so unhelpful. It seems like it might be okay at the time. It just it really doesn't offer a whole lot of help. We use the terms they, they have died. Here's another one of my ones that I've heard. Well, God must have wanted them more than we did. Uh, <laughs> bless our hearts. We say such wrong things sometimes, meaning well, but we say such wrong things, don't we? Yeah, that's also probably not going to be very helpful. You know, uh-huh. why Why did God want them more than me? I, yeah. You know, that's how a child's going to turn that around. That's how an adult will sometimes turn that around, let's be mm-hmm. honest. So mm-hmm. just not a helpful phrase altogether. So what I'm hearing you say then is just use as frank of language as your child at their age is able to uh, to comprehend or deal with and help them in, in that way. Yep. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, you mentioned coping tools, and I've got to think that uh, – I noticed you brought some resources with you today. What are some uh, good coping tools for uh, those of us who are amateurs but very quickly becoming, uh, you might say, professionals in the field of helping children because we're forced into it against our will? What what are some good tools for us? So I brought with me a book today, mm-hmm. and it's called Water Bugs and Dragonflies. Uh-huh. And it's a great story even for adults to, to, to read, and, and it just tells the story of how we think that these water bugs are going along, they're, they're living their lives, and then they suddenly disappear. And the water bugs left behind don't really understand. But what has truly happened at the end of the story is these water bugs have turned into dragonflies, and they're mm. living a whole new life. So it's a, it's a beautiful way to explain to a child somewhat like what it means to, to experience death. And the name of the book and the author? Waterbugs and Butterflies by Doris Stickney. Yeah, hold that up to the camera there one more time. There you go. Give folks a chance to see that one more time. Uh, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. that. That sounds like a really great resource. Do, do you recommend counseling for children? I mean, if you can find a, a qualified counselor, do you recommend that? Absolutely. Um, the key there that you just said is qualified. You want to make sure that you've got somebody who's you know, good with dealing with kids, and and that's really their wheelhouse. Uh, the right counselor for anybody is important, but the right counselor for a child is is going to engage them in that play and allow them to talk in the ways that they need to. I, I'm I, I'm going to give this next. I throw this out there with a little bit of try to qualify this as best I can because I, I'm a I'm an ordained pastor and. Uh, I understand that in, in helping people, I've only got a, a very limited amount of counseling skills. Some pastors have been trained more in counseling than others. Uh, 
but I would say probably even your pastor may not always be the best option. Hopefully your pastor would know when to pass somebody along to a professional, but uh, keep in mind some pastors have counseling abilities and some may not be as helpful as others despite their good intentions. Yep. I I agree 100% with that. Pastors are pastors Mm -hmm. and not counselors. They, They have some training exactly like you said, but they're not going to be somebody who's going to get in depth and, and know all of these things that that a child in particular needs. They don't have that kind of in-depth training as a pastor. So leave your your pastor to pastoring and your counselor to counseling. Yeah. Um, along the way, I've, again, ran into a lot of people who, who feel qualified to speak to this to a certain degree, but sometimes it can be hard to find that counselor or we might be worried about the, the cost or, or so forth. Uh, there's also good organizations, though, and good programs out there that are available. And for, like, for example, at First United Methodist Church, we offer the Grief Share program. Does Grief Share offer any help for uh, childhood, child level grief? So, not specifically for children, although we have some resources available. There's some different book recommendations, and we we touch along those lines a little bit throughout the 13 weeks of Grief Share. But that's not something that is specific to children. We've got, like I said, some resources that we can pass along to parents or or caregivers if they're dealing with the loss of of a parent and and trying to help this child. But we we don't offer specific to children with Grief Share. Gotcha. And I would guess as well that if somebody would like to go to our website, peoriaone.com, and leave a message uh, to go to you that they can tell you, even if they're not a part of this church, if you're watching this, you're a part of our ministry. You are part of our heart and who we are. So would people be welcome to get a hold of you with their story and ask your thoughts on how to move forward? Absolutely. I've got a whole list of community resources that are available in our area, as well as some links to places nationwide that you might be able to turn to for some help. Um, So in, in, my understanding of dealing, and you, you touched on this a little bit, my understanding of dealing with grief, I've, I've come to recognize that it's, it is a lifelong process. It's not a, something you can just snap out of. We do respond differently. Some folks shut it out and don't allow it to touch them, and that can create problems down the line. But other folks uh, tend to grieve. Maybe they, they can get really lost in that grief, and, and then it becomes unhealthy. Are there any, do you know of any signs to watch for in children to maybe indicate if their grief is becoming unhealthy? So kids are tricky because they don't always tell us exactly what they're needing. They, you know, it would be great if they could just tell us what they need. Um, sometimes kids stuff things away, and we don't realize that they're having problems until other physical issues start happening. Um, lots of tummy aches, lots of headaches, not feeling good are often signs that that maybe something more is going on and it might not be physical, but probably more emotional with kids. Gotcha. Teens also are another group um, that tend to stuff their emotions and they don't like to talk about things and, and drawing them out is, can be problematic, but they also, you know, keep those things inside and then suddenly start having some of those more physical symptoms that, you know, it's really not actually physical. It's, it's, they've left things go for too long. Wow. I hadn't thought about that too, but uh, uh, I, I, and I, I don't know how much this, because every child is different every, as we grow up, whether it, it involves acting out or that sort of thing, but just to understand that there can be different levels of uh, understanding when a, a child who was a really good kid suddenly 
is acting out or has, has changed their personality, that would be kind of a trouble sign where you'd want to look for additional help, I would think. Yep, right on. They they need to, to explore things a little bit further. Okay, very good. Well, this has been just a, a really engaging discussion. And again, we would encourage you to follow up uh, uh, with the book. If you have questions for Kirsten and would like to get in touch with her, peoria1.com, contact us there and uh, ask your questions. And uh, uh, just keep this keep this conversation going in your community. I, I would guess probably, Kirsten, isn't it important that we uh, uh, pull our friends in on this conversation as well and, and, and help them to grow in their understanding as, as well, probably make this a community thing? Absolutely. We're, yeah. we're all experiencing grief right now, whether yeah. you, whatever the loss looks like. Um, yeah. the, the pandemic has done that for us. So just keep talking. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I appreciate your time once again, and I'm sure a lot of folks are going to listen to this and grow from what you shared. So thank you again uh, for your time. Thank and, you. And again, don't, don't hesitate to get a hold of uh, Kirsten if you would like. Um, hey, listen, this, this is such a weighty topic that I, I hope that we've been helpful to you. If you have any follow-ups for us, please get in touch with us, peoria1.com. And uh, also, this is an important episode, so if you want to share it and like it on social media, it's very possible that in doing so, you are going to also uh, help somebody else who is struggling with this. So please don't hesitate to do that. Uh, so thank you for, so very much for joining us today. This has been the 116, a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. My name is Greg Fish. Thank you so very much for coming along today. And may God bless you and keep you and walk with you as you help those young ones struggle with grief.